Happy Thursday to one and all. We are staring down a long holiday weekend, and I hope you've got some good books packed for wherever you're going or whatever you're doing. Today on the show, we have a real treat, a legend among legends in my mind, Dr. Thomas Sparky Reardon, Mr. Oxford, Mississippi himself, the former Dean of Students at Ole Miss, and my former boss. So Sparky is an institution at Ole Miss and became like a father figure to me when I worked under his tutelage for three and a half years. I know he likes a good book and I wanted to pick his brain about what he's been reading lately now that he is retired and has time to do that with gusto and what his favorite book of all time is. I am so happy to have you here, Sparky. Well, thank you, Rachel. It's so good to see you and to talk to you and, uh, to remember all the good times we had. Oh my gosh, I've just rice and spice and so much good and I miss you so much. It's so good to see your face. So I I know that you like to read. So tell me a little bit and tell our listeners about your history with reading. Have you always enjoyed reading? I I really have. Uh, I remember my dad, uh, when I lived in Clarksdale, Mississippi, my dad said, we're going to the library. And I, I must have been, eight or nine years old, really didn't know what a library was, but uh, found out that you could take a book home and bring it back. And so uh, the I remember the first books I ever read were sports biographies, the mm. biography of Babe Ruth, the biography of, and the, the print was very large and they were very readable. And uh, uh, I took out four the first time and three days later I was back and the lady said, you hadn't read all these already. And I said, Yes, ma'am, I have. And so <laughs> so uh, that was really how I kind of got started in reading and and then would would read what I had to for school, but mm. would also uh, read just, you know, anything I could get my hands on that my dad had in his library or I could get from the library. And uh, I remember uh, I visited my, my dad had two sisters in St. Paul, Minnesota, and I was bo- they were they were both widowed. And uh, it was cold and there was nothing to do. And I was bored. And one of my aunts said, well, here, read this. And she gave me a paperback by E. McDonald, uh, who uh, wrote the Travis McGee series of, you know, that it was really one of the early uh, uh, examples of the genre that we see so much today with with authors who carry a, a detective through through the whole series, uh, the the. Uh, uh, the John Wicks, the uh, uh, Jack Re- the Reachers, the mm-hmm. uh, uh, Sanford, John Sanford, and uh, all all of his, and and uh, so I started reading John D. McDonald, and she had a box of them that mm-hmm. I brought home, and every time a new McDonald book would come out, I would read it, and so uh, I got into reading uh, 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 detective and and uh, thriller type books. So, so even throughout your career, you were so busy. I mean, gosh, you have so many responsibilities. Were you able to carve out time to read even before you retired? Oh, yeah, I, I, I did. I used to, uh, reading was my way to one way to get away from the, the, the hubbub of the dean of students office. And, and uh, uh, when you live in a community like Oxford, 
and you've got a place like Square Books to go to. Mm, yes. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's dangerous for me to go into Square Books because I'm going to come out with a book, and uh, and some of them I read, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I would I would love to get home and just uh, sit in a chair and and read and and you know even uh, reading into the night. Uh, uh -huh. you know, but, uh, one of the saddest feelings in the world is to get to the end of a book that you love, mm. see that there are only about two or three pages left. So true. So true. I, so I, I remember the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh -huh. uh, somebody gave me the trilogy uh, uh -huh. of all three books. And I was so lucky to have it because between book two and book three, there's such a, an abrupt, uh, you know, what the hell happened type of ending that uh, I just just close one book and open the other rather than <laughs> having to wait. I love that. I love books like that. So, okay, a lot of our listeners, Sparky, are not from Oxford or maybe have never had the pleasure of, of going to Oxford, Mississippi. So tell our listeners about the jewel that is Square Books. Uh, Square Books is an independent bookstore that was started by uh, an old classmate of mine, uh, Richard Holworth. Uh, that I, I I know very well, and it's it's just a, a I mean it's a treasure. It's the anchor of the square. Mm -hmm. The square is the center of life in, in Oxford. And uh, if uh, uh, the if you come to Oxford and don't go to Square Books, uh, you're really uh, you know when I'm on the square, whether I buy a book or not, whether I need a book, I will walk through Square Books because mm -hmm. inevitably I'll see something that that'll pique my interest or see an old friend or whatever and Richard uh and has now opened up Square Books as the original and he started a secondhand uh cookbook travel book hobby book store called Off Square Books mm -hmm. uh, and then he started a kids bookstore called uh uh, uh Square Books Kids Junior? Square Square Books Junior Square Book Junior mm -hmm. and he's also now started a uh uh, uh, rare books, rare square books. What's he, rare square books? He sells first editions and hard to find. Wow. Them. And so, so he's got a pretty good thing going here. And, and, uh, he's, uh, he's, he's just the customer service is outstanding. Uh, the, the, you know, if you want a book, uh, actually they're quicker than Amazon, uh, to get a book. Huh. So, so, yeah, it, book lovers, if you haven't been to Square Books, that's got to be a, a book bucket list for you, bookstore bucket list, because it, it's it's a treasure, as you said. It's it's maybe one of my favorite places in Oxford and behind uh, all the good eats that are there and the <laughs> and and driving through campus. So so now you're retired. You've got so much time to dive into the books that you love. Tell me a book you've read lately that you've enjoyed. Uh, uh, Andrew Doerr. I think it's Andrew Doerr, All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, so good. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that book. Uh, uh, just the, the, the waiting in between uh, uh, the, the young woman and the young man about how they were going to eventually get together and the... Mm the beauty of the plights that both of them faced. Uh, I really love that book. So that's a beautiful I, book. Yeah. I, I read that book when it first came out. So this is probably like seven or eight years ago Yeah, and it got a lot of hype. If I remember correctly, it took that author 10 years to write that book. 
Well, and I can see why. What is it? I said, I can see why because yeah. it's complicated. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, he put his whole soul into that book and, and it comes across on the page. It's beautiful. It's fiction. And it's just, it's, it's absolutely a must read. I agree. So I will go tit for tat. I'll give, well, um, let me, let me, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, go, go ahead. ahead. I, I was just going to say, you, you mentioned fiction. I just finished a nonfiction book. Okay. I, I, you uh, know, I love nonfiction. So go for yeah. it. This was, this is, the book is, was written by a friend of mine, When Evil Lived in Laurel by Curtis Wilkie. I Curtis, love Curtis Wilkie. I didn't know he had a new book out. He, he does. It's called When Evil Lived in Laurel. And he traces the uh, murder of civil rights activist Vernon Dahmer. Uh, and oh, he, wow. And the story of a man, Tom Landrum, who infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan in South Mississippi and it's one that you can just read in a day. So I oh, I, I'll be getting that as soon as we get off the Zoom because for so you know Curtis Wilkie personally. Tell tell uh, listeners who Curtis Wilkie is. He's a, another legendary Oxonian. Uh, Curtis is is a treasure. Also, he he's a native Mississippian who went to the university and and because he failed a feature writing course, uh, <laughs> I didn't know that he had to stay an extra semester. And, and that was the semester that the university was integrated. And uh, he, uh, he, he kind of uh, uh, cut his teeth on writing about the integration of Ole Miss and uh, went on to work for uh, the Boston Globe, uh, headed up a, a news bureau in uh, uh, the mid Middle East, uh, also had one in New Orleans. Uh, and he's written several books, Dixie, uh, the, the Fall of the House of Zeus. That's uh, my favorite by him. So yeah. good. And 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 this one is really good too. So uh, Curtis is is and he teaches at the university. So is he? Does he teach journalism? Uh, yeah, but he's retired. He retired this year. So oh, well, so I can't go back and take like an adjunct class with him now. Nah, no, dog on it. Okay, so I want to share a couple of mine. So uh, okay. first, a quick aside. Wimbledon has started. Do you like tennis, Sparky? I do. I do. It's, it's not at the top of my sports list, but right. It's, it's, right. But you'll watch it. Right. Right. So Wimbledon's in action. And I read a book recently called seeing Serena by Gerald Marzorati, I believe is how you say that about the great tennis players, of course, Serena Williams. So if you're in a Tennessee mood, not Tennessee, the state, but tennis ish mood and want a good biography about a tennis legend, pick that one up. And my first real pick this week is one of my favorite genres of books, a good old celebrity memoir. And this one is perfect for poolside. It's called Bratz by 1980s heartthrob Andrew McCarthy. Do you remember him? I do. <laughs> so I'm a little too young to have had a huge crush on him. I was born in 1986, but I love the movie Pretty in Pink and have an understandable fondness for the 1980s because that's the decade I was born. And so some look, some celebrity memoirs are terribly written, um, but this one is not. It's compelling. It's honest. And it's a page turner. And Andrew talks about his struggles with drinking and how Molly Ringwald, who was his co-star in Pretty in Pink, changed his life forever and how kind she was. She really kind of gave him a huge break. Uh, you'll have to read the book to see what I'm talking about. And of course, the infamous Brat Pack and 
what that label has meant to his life. That, I mean, obviously he called the book Brat. So uh, it's meant a lot. And overall, it's really a good candid book into an interesting life, more, even more interesting than I thought it would be, honestly. And it's a good snapshot of pop culture in the 1980s. And, and I found that fascinating. So any other picks from you that you want to share before I share my second pick? What else have you uh, been reading? Well, uh, let's see. Uh, I just been, I, I, I'm a big, uh, you see on the, on the wall behind me uh, is a, a map of Sicily. Yes, and you're I'm, Italian, I'm, right? I'm, I, well, believe it or not, my mother is a full-blooded Italian. Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I'm Irish Italian, but I visited Sicily four or five times and uh, discovered a writer over there, uh, Andrea Camillari. And uh, he writes about uh, a, uh, it's, it's almost like the John D. McDonald series. He writes about Inspector Montalbano, Salvo Montalbano. And it's, it's just, they're, 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 you know, I can finish one in two or three days, but mm -hmm. uh, I, my goal is to read, read the whole series. Uh, and uh, they're, they're the kind you can put in your, your uh, 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 bag or your, Purse or your pocket, you can't won't fit in your pocket, but you can carry it to a restaurant and it's easily read. And mm -hmm. I'm I'm the kind of guy that I don't mind going to a restaurant and taking a book with me. Uh, yeah. it, and it, it, it's kind of like, you know, leave me alone, I'm reading type right. So and if I'm into a really good book, I'll I'll take it anywhere. I I don't know whether you knew this or not, but I used to take them to the office sometimes and close the door and say I was in a meeting. Did you really <laughs> I can't, I don't know if I ever did that when I worked for you, but I, I, I have for sure done that like in my yeah. office before I, I like absolutely like when you just can't put it down, you know, and you're like, well, the work will get done, but I've, I've got to like, I won't be able to focus on my work until I finish this book. So you were going to say your, your second book that you were going to talk about? Yeah. My second pick is called Fearless and it's actually by fashion designer, Rebecca Minkoff, who I've actually had the pleasure of interviewing last year and Rebecca is a female founder and actually the found the say this five times fast the founder of the female founder collective which celebrates women founders and you know this Sparky I'm in a new chapter of my life I founded my own business I'm full-time freelance now and doing some brand consulting and so this book was really inspiring and kind of came at the right time for me it's its full title is Fearless, the new rules for unlocking creativity, courage, and success. And Rebecca is so candid and upfront in the book about, quite frankly, how hard this journey is. I never knew how hard this journey was going to be when I started it, but also how worth it the journey is and how you can have fear, but to push through and do it scared. And I wanted to share a passage. It says, quote, I never set out to be a rule breaker. It's just that the old rules weren't really working for me. So I had to go out and make my own, end quote. So I love that. And it talks about how to get friendly with failure, which so many of us fear, but we shouldn't because failure is a beautiful teacher and that there is enough success for all of us. I think women often incorrectly think that if one woman is succeeding, that takes away from the potential to succeed for the rest of us. And that's just not true. And the book is dedicated. I love this quote to all the girls with nothing but a dream. It's yours. Now go and get it. End quote. And um, with this book as a guide, I think I just will go on and do that. I'm chasing down a dream over here. Well, that's, uh, there's a book that I read many, many years ago that 
uh, you know, uh, being in the business that we were in, uh, I always liked books that talked about how to lead and what to do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was a, there's a writer named Dennis Waitley, W-A-I-T-L-E-Y. Mm -hmm. And he was, uh, he's a psychological coach. And uh, he wrote uh, just a profound book called uh, uh, The Seeds of Greatness. And uh, when mm -hmm. you talk about fear, he said that many of us, uh, we fear uh, uh, success because uh, of our fear of change, mm. which is, is precedes a fear of rejection mm. which, and results in a fear of success. But he said, remember, fear stands for false education appearing real. Wow. That we, wow. we you know, we're born with two innate uh, fears. One, uh, 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 being dropped uh, and two loud noises. Those are the only fears with which we are born. Every other fear we make up. Wow. So I have uh, to check that out. I've never read him. And, you know, listeners of this show know by this point, we're like on week four, I think that I'm pretty obsessed with uh, books about leadership. So that is, uh, I'll, I've got I, in my mind right now, I'm like got a list going of um, number one, make sure to call you when I'm in Oxford next. Number two, Curtis Wilkie. Number three, this book, Dennis Waitley, you said? W-A-I-T-L-E-Y. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, I love uh, new authors that I've never read. So I know this is the impossible question because, I mean, you've read thousands of books by this point in your life. But if you had to choose your all-time favorite book, what would it be? Uh can can I separate fiction and nonfiction? You can do whatever you want. Okay, okay. Uh, a book that profoundly affected me, and it it, it might have been kind of uh, reflective of where I was in my life at the time because I was thinking about retirement. But but I found it just to be uh, uh, such a touching book was Mitch Albom's uh, Tuesdays with Mark. Oh, great! So great. Uh, I had a, a story there. I had been to a conference and. I had started it at the conference and uh, really got into it on the way to the airport and in the airport. And it's not a long book. And, and I finished it on the plane as we were getting ready to take off and tears were running down my face. And mm -hmm. the woman next to me said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. But I, that book touched me a lot. And uh, the, another book I would count as one of my favorites uh, would be uh, uh, the, uh, uh, A Prayer for Owen Meany. Yes, I, I know you love this book. This you, We've had this conversation before, but go ahead. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember the movie that was made. Simon Birch was Simon that Birch, it? yep. Yeah, that was, that was a, a movie takeoff, but it's a beautiful book. And I love John Irving, The World According to Garp and, and mm -hmm. the other stuff, Cider House Rules, the other stuff that he's done. Uh, but, but for some reason, I keep going back to A Prayer for Owen Meany uh, as a book. And... Uh, I also uh, uh, had a, a wonderful experience when I, uh, when, if you work at the university, you get some uh, free hours. You can take a class for free, uh, I think up to six a year. And so when I found out that Willie Morris was going to be teaching a course on the modern American novel, uh, I signed up for his course and we read uh, the Snow Leopard, Peter Matheson, Bang the Drum Slowly, uh, the, uh, uh, oh, just uh, 
several other books, but one that we read was a separate piece and we had to write a paper on it. And so I wrote a paper on a separate piece and which I think is also a wonderful book. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, uh, he called me one day at the office and Willie was such a kid or I didn't, I, I didn't know whether he was serious or not, but he said, uh, John, uh, John Knowles is here. Uh, who's the author of a separate piece and he's read your paper and wants to have lunch with you. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yeah. And I, I call BS on Willie because that was something that Willie would, Willie would call up and do an Englishman, <laughs> act, a British accent or whatever. And, uh, but we actually did. And, and so I, I really love a separate piece. And uh, before I came to the university to be the dean of students, I taught four years of high school in my yes, high school. yes. And I and I taught English. And we had uh, the the typical prototypical uh, English he- head of the English department: white hair, uh, high heel shoes, uh, <laughs> glasses that she looked over, and she would. Uh, fix her bra strap and, and she was she was really very difficult she had taught me in high school and thought that I was somewhat of a rebel uh, but we we had these large texts that were they had grammar in it as well as uh, literature selections well they had a separate uh, no they had uh, great expectations a tale mm-hmm. of two cities uh, hard times uh, and we were expected to teach those to our students well if you teach enough uh, Dickens to students, you're going to teach them not to read. Right. And so, so I led a revolt within the English department and said, I was teaching 10th and, and uh, seventh grade English. And I said, I'd like to change the curriculum uh, to, uh, to where we would teach a, a, uh, a separate piece to the 10th graders and uh, Richard Adams' uh, Watership Down uh, to the, have you read that? I have not. Uh, Water, oh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's probably one of the few fantasy books that I really like, but it's about a, 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 a group of rabbits. And uh, it's, it's kind of like Animal Farm in a sense. Uh-huh. Uh, my, my students, uh, uh, seventh grade students, just ate it up. And they had a grown man tell me the other day that, the reason he loves to read is because he read Watership Down in the seventh grade. Wow. Uh, wow. That, that, so, so I, I uh, you know, yeah, I guess I could go on about my favorite books. Let uh, me tell you something about Mitch Album, though. Tuesdays okay. with Maury is a beautiful book, but I've read every book by Mitch Album. Tuesdays with Maury was kind of my entrance into the Mitch Album stratosphere. Uh-huh. But that is nowhere near his best book, Sparky. His best book is The Five People You Meet in Heaven, which is one of my all-time favorite books. Um, I've read both, and we'll agree to disagree on that. You don't like that book? I liked it, but nowhere near like uh, Tuesdays with Mari. See, here's something else about books is that it really depends on what you're going through in your life when you read a book like that. And you could read, you and I could read the same book and have, and both like it. Like, it's a good book. We won't disagree on that. But I think because of what I was going through when I read The Five People You Meet in Heaven, I I read it right after I lost my grandmother, which if you'll remember, we were just extraordinarily close. And um, I think that it, because of that, it touched me so. Um, And, and, you know, one can read a book 
um, and just really connect with it based off of what's going on in your life and then read it again and maybe not connect with it as much or, or on the flip side, read a book and think this is an okay book and then read it again. And it's just groundbreaking to them. You know, I think think Tuesdays with Mari resonated with me because uh, there had been uh, over my 36 years at the university, there had been so many students uh, with whom I had connected, Mm -hmm. you know, they'd say, well, we'll stay in touch. And then, uh, you know, the next time you would hear from them would be uh, maybe that they were calling to tell you that they were coming out of recovery, that they uh, were uh, had been fired, that they needed to talk about one of their sons or daughters. And uh, uh, it uh, it was it was kind of like the reverse with with Mitch and uh, Mari mm-hmm. and that. Maury, he found out that Maury was the one. And so I, I kind of, uh, I, I just thought about all the students over the years that I had spent Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with, mm-hmm. and, and how blessed I was to have that. And, and each of the little vignettes about which he wrote kind of uh, evoked feelings in me uh, collective of my 36 years. You know, I think I'm due for a reread of Tuesdays with Maury. It's been a long time. I think I need to, I own it. Like I'm looking at it on my bookcase right now in the living room. And so I think that that will be maybe a weekend because it's not, like you said, it's not a long book. Yeah. It's it's a quick read. Um, But speaking of books that I've read over and over again, listeners, my yesteryear pick this week is perfect for summertime because I've been reading this fiction book every summer since 1999, 22 years this year. I can't believe I've almost read this book 25 times. It is called The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood by Rebecca Wells, which I read for the first time when I was 12 and talking about things resonating at different times in our lives. I read the book now and I'm like, how did I even like that book back then? Because I didn't understand so much of the quote unquote adult themes in the book. Have you ever read this book? I haven't. It's you, you really should. You should make this I, I, don't, a I don't want to get in trouble for saying, but is it a chick book? <laughs> it, I mean, it's, is it about women? Yes. But will you enjoy it? Also? Yes. So give it a try. Um, let, me, so, let, me ask, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Uh, what book made you cry? Uh, probably many of them knowing you, but, but which, which, <laughs> which one? Um, well, the five people you meet in heaven made me cry. I mean, I cry at a lot of books. Yeah. I cry all the time at books. I, I like, it's kind of like a marker of like, you know, I mean, I cried at all the light you cannot see or we yeah. cannot see rather. And um, I mean, I, I think that that's like almost as broad of a question as me asking you what your favorite book is because I cry all the time at book. I mean, well, if, if that's the intent of the book is to move you, then I will cry. You the, one scene, the one scene that brought me to tears uh, was who probably is my favorite author. I just love the way he writes. Uh, but he, uh, in Beach Music, uh, when uh, uh, which I love Carolina Beach Music. I grew mm. up I love the low country of South Carolina, have visited many, many times, but he writes of, uh, uh, of dancing with his wife on a pier with a hurricane coming and they're dancing to the drifters uh, uh, 
saved the last dance for me. Oh yeah. And then, and then when his, his mother dies, or his wife has died previously, but his, he's raised his daughter in Rome and he comes home for his mother's funeral and the whole family is gathered around the large white house and they're, the, the bro his brothers are chastising him for never teaching his daughter how to shag. And mm -hmm. so they, so they teach her and she says, come on, daddy, let's dance. And so he starts dancing with her and the song that comes on is save the last dance for me. Oh, and and uh, I, I was just reading that on a rainy 4th of July and it just brought me to tears. Yeah. I, I love the power of words to move you and see like you're just you're picturing this in your mind and it yeah I mean that's so that's that's a broad question for me because I've cried at many a book but you know Divine Secrets that book and the movie Fried Green Tomatoes which I'm sure you've seen yeah really ignited this Kansas girl's deep love affair from the south so my dad is southern but I was born and raised in Kansas. I've lived in the South for 12 years this year. Can you believe that? And um, I'm never leaving ever. And Divine Secrets explores the power of female friendship with the look through the years of four best girlfriends growing up in Louisiana from the 1920s to the 1990s when the book was written. So I think maybe that's why I also love it so much is the, their life path is the same life path as my grandmother's who was born in 1926 and so you know the the girl the four girls in the book are teenagers in world war ii and one of the characters loses her boyfriend in the war and it's it's just it's so southern and i actually had the chance to meet rebecca Wells. she came to birmingham for uh some kind of event at the hoover public library a few years ago and it, it was she's just, she drips with Southern like you do. And I just love Southern culture. And the book talks about these women as they go through their individual lives, but also how they handle it as a foursome and, you know, female friendship in my life anyway, has been so important. And it also talks about the often complex relationship between mothers and daughters. And I actually need to find my copy of this book and take it with me on vacation in a week or so. I'm actually going to North Carolina, Sparky, speaking of the Carolinas. We go to North Carolina every summer as a family. So um, there's been a movie made of the book and it's okay, but the book is so good and I recommend it highly. I'm about to read it for like the 22nd time and I still look forward to it every year, just like I did in 1999. Do you reread a lot of books, Sparky? I have trouble rereading books and, and rewatching movies. Uh, yeah. I, you know, uh, every now and then I'll go back. I, I've actually bought a book that I've read before and got about three quarters into it when I realized, you know, I've already read this book. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, my recall is not very good. <laughs> uh, but I, I just uh, another, uh, I like suspense. Uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, Thomas Harris. Are you familiar with Thomas Harris? No, I won't wait. And I say that I have seen his books at the library, okay. but I've personally never read them. He wrote The Silence of the Lambs. He oh, created oh, I have read Silence. I didn't know he wrote that. Yes, I've read Silence of the Lambs, but it's been a long time. And but, of course, the movie is iconic. Yeah, but the, the predecessor to Silence of the Lambs was uh, Red Dragon. And that's and, a movie too, right? Yeah, and he, uh, uh, I can remember, uh, I was reading Red Dragon one night and I lived in a, I was managing an apartment complex in addition to working at the university. 
and it was it was only six units there or 12 units and it uh it was during the holidays and the students were gone and we had uh i was reading red dragon and he had just glued some guy to a wheelchair and bit his lips off and uh and good so, times <laughs> yeah <laughs> and all of a sudden my lights go out oh no <laughs> and I'm in, I'm in bed reading and I'm thinking okay if I don't move he won't know where I am <laughs> but, but, the interesting about that is that Thomas Harris is from my home county of Cahoma County in Mississippi. Really? And his mother was my ninth grade biology teacher. And uh, I, I, I seriously think she might have been the inspiration for Hannibal Lecter. Polly C. Harris, God rest her soul. Oh, she my gosh. Lady. <laughs> I have a love affair with the state of Mississippi. I have since the day I showed up there in Oxford in 2009. And um, so much talent comes out of Mississippi, whether it's writing or music or what have you. And uh, it's just people sleep on Mississippi, but there's so much talent there. Well, without Mississippi, we wouldn't have B.B. King. We wouldn't have Elvis Presley. We wouldn't have John Grisham. We wouldn't have William Faulkner. We wouldn't have Tennessee Williams. We wouldn't have Leontine Price. Uh, we wouldn't have Marshall Bolden, the portrait artist. We wouldn't have Bill Dunlap. Uh, we would, you know, there, there's so many things. We wouldn't that, have you. Well, yeah, yeah. I, you would, you might. There, there are a lot of other me's out there, but those no, guys. No, there's no other Sparky. Those people that I just mentioned are, are true. I mean, Willie Morris. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, we're so fortunate to, uh, and I, I just think it's that uh, Mississippi's not the kind of place where we, we're too busy. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, we, we grew up telling stories. Uh, and, and that's really what books are, are, are stories. Right. And so uh, people, people tell stories in Mississippi. And whether it's bb king singing that nobody loves him but his mother and she could be jiving too or <laughs> or, or john grisham exposing a a, a, a law firm or a, a corrupt law firm or willie morris talking about his journey to new york and back uh you know or just the the, the uh, tennessee williams who who captures uh the mississippi delta as well as it's ever been captured in cat in a hot tin roof uh, there are just so many of those and, and they're, they're writers who are coming here. Uh, if you, if you want to, for the, for your listeners out there, if you want to understand Mississippi, uh, read, uh, uh, Richard Grant's, uh, books, uh, dispatches, uh, from Pluto. I love that. And, uh, uh, his latest on Natchez. Uh, I haven't read the Natchez one. You need to read that. Uh, and also read Nicholas Lemon's The Promised Land. It's nonfiction. Uh, it helps you understand uh, some of the dynamics that are going on now with race in the South. Uh, if, if you, if uh, nonfiction, if you've never read uh, uh, Rising Tide by John Barry, uh, mm. uh, it's uh, uh, it's it's incredible. Uh, it really is. So uh, you yeah, gave me a light bulb moment, Sparky, because you said that people in Mississippi aren't, too, aren't so busy. And I, as a creative, when I am busy, my creativity cannot fully bloom. 
It's yeah. only when I, as a Mississippian might say, sit a spell that yeah, yeah. my creativity can birth itself. And maybe that's why so much creativity has come out of Mississippi, whether it's writing or music or what have you, is because Mississippians take time to sit a spell, you know, and, and let that, let, let themselves just birth that creativity out of them. Yeah, and, it's such and, a special place. And it's also, I think our imagination is a diversion from the realities of, of some of the issues that we faced cool. here. The, That's the, good. The, the poverty, mm -hmm. uh, the racism, uh, the, the lack of education, the, the health situation. I mean, I, I think people sometimes have written to say that, hey, we, we can escape the reality of this. And some people have written to capture that which yeah. I think is important for, for people. Uh, you can say that, uh, uh, you know, Faulkner said, what is it to first understand the South, you must understand Mississippi? That quote just popped into my head right before you said that. And I, yeah. I was going to misquote him, so I'm glad you said it correctly. Yeah, I hope I didn't misquote him, but, but he said something <laughs> like that. But, 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 but that's true that uh, you, you can't appreciate all of the beauty that comes from this place, uh, whether it's food or music or literature, unless you also recognize all of the ugliness that's a part of this place. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? You are a delight, Sparky, and one of my absolute favorite people. And let me tell you, this is my public declaration to the world. I've been telling you to do this for 12 years, but when are we going to get a book from you? You have, a, you have 15 books inside that soul of yours. I need you to be writing a book about, because you're a beautiful writer. My gosh. I mean, you just, I, I look forward to your Facebook posts. And um, so, you know, this is me publicly saying to the world, Sparky, write a book. And um, you're so You know, the, I guess one of the issues is, 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 is I would like to memorialize my years at the university mm -hmm. and write about those. But, but I've thought so many times that, that there were so many things that, that were private that you couldn't fully understand the story uh, or believe it unless I named the names and the places and the times. And I just can't do that. Now, I can sit down and, and, and muse about uh, the change in the weather or about a bird that I saw or about, uh, you know, uh, uh, some funny stuff without using names. I just don't know that people want to read that. I would read anything you write because you really are a beautiful writer. It's a gift and, well, and it's one you've been given in spades. So um, my producer is going to have a whale of a time doing the show notes for, because usually we have like, it's called the Thursday three. And I feel like we've given him the Thursday 33. So whoops, but I'm not mad about it at all. Thank you so much for, for being here. I just, I love you and I'll see you in a, but what six weeks five weeks hopefully when I when I make it over to Oxford and listeners we will be back on Monday with an interview with Scott O'Neill CEO of the Philadelphia 76ers NBA basketball team and author of the new book be where your feet are have a safe and happy fourth of July and thank you again Sparky I'm waving at you I'm waving at you nobody <laughs> will understand that but us <laughs> take care